land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. talking about the uh, Israeli elections. Um, I think it's probably natural that virtually everyone listening to this program is keen on what is happening in Israel. It's, uh, it's uh, mm-hmm. God's uh, country. Uh, his uh, people, even though they are absolutely and unequivocally estranged from him. Uh, I, Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition uh, won the, uh, the election, this time uh, handily, some uh, 64 uh, coalition votes in the Knesset. One of the first comments upon prevailing, uh, even before all the votes were counted, a, uh, a member of his uh, coalition, uh, a, uh, a United Torah Judaism, by the way, Torah does not mean the Torah that uh, we celebrate as in Yahweh's Torah, but instead their Torah, which is the Talmud. Uh, he uh, said, we won't treat you cruelly like you treated us. M.K. Yatsik Pendrus of the Netanyahu-aligned ultra-Orthodox United Torah Judaism Party told the Ynet News, We're civilized people, not animals like you. In the government, you stole, you trampled on us. You thought we were just rags. We're human beings. The hypocrisy of, of Orthodox Jews is amazing. The uh, previous government didn't do anything to them. What they wanted to do was to stop paying religious Jews to be parasites. They wanted to stop paying them to spend all day to do nothing but uh, uh, read their own ridiculous religious material. And that was a very wise thing. As a matter of fact, that's their sadness about the Netanyahu coalition winning re-election is the Haredi ultra-Orthodox Jewish religious parties will continue to be bribed uh, so that uh, young boys will continue to be indoctrinated, young girls will be subjugated and mistreated, harassed, uh, given no rights. Uh, the young men will not be prepared to do anything of value. They will not be given a, uh, a reasonable education. They will have no access to the Internet. They'll give no, no freedom of choice. 
And uh, these men who are animals in the way that they, uh, they treat and herd their flock um, are, uh, are saying that we're not animals, and yet he, uh, he immediately calls them animals. Purely hypocrisy. I am very saddened, though, by, by the results of, uh, of the election because, while I did not like Lapid, I think Lapid was disastrous. Um, uh, he is an admitted progressive, which I think is the worst of all politicians. Uh, it, uh, uh, he went to the United Nations and advocated a two-state solution, which will, uh, when active, will uh, be the final solution for Jews. Uh, the world will collapse upon them the moment that is imposed upon them. And to be a Jew and advocating for it is, uh, is an inexcusable offense. Uh, but in this particular coalition, in addition to bribing the Haredi parties to support him and the disaster that is for Israel, both financially, uh, economically, and, uh, and also in terms of the freedoms of the people, uh, uh, the coalition has an ultra-Orthodox religious party, an ultra-Orthodox religious party uh, that united with it that are thugs. Um, Their chants are death to Arabs. Uh, They will clean it up for political, for uh, election nights and say death to terrorists, but they are are purposefully provocative. And uh, they are largely responsible for the settler abuse that's taking place in, in Israel. And at one time, I uh, besmirched the Biden administration and the U.S. press for making a big deal of it, and I think they did over-exaggerate it. But as we came up to this election, the gangs of, uh, of roving Orthodox Jews tormenting um, uh, Arabs was uh, absurd, sad, exceedingly uh, disappointing, and... Uh, the fact is that by having uh, a coalition comprised of, of these kinds of people, the world is going to have lots of justification for turning on Israel and no longer taking Israel seriously and continuing to advocate uh, against Israel. So it will be exceedingly counterproductive. And, of course, Netanyahu himself is a, a lying, self-serving scumbag. So... They, they were really in a position like uh, when, uh, <laughs> like this last election, uh, where, where you had the worst of the worst. So I'm, I'm sorry for uh, Israel. It's a, uh, but Israel continuing to turn away from God is really what is predicted so that we enter the, uh, the time of, uh, of troubles. Uh, it is interesting, one of the things that Netanyahu did to win the election was he claimed that he would never have put together the Frankensteinian coalition that included uh, uh, Abbas and, uh, and the uh, Arab parties. Uh, and it did cost Israel de- dearly, I think about $6 billion to uh, bribe them to be uh, part of the coalition, so I can't stand parliamentary politics. But mm-hmm. Netanyahu, who denied that he did it and said he would never do it, not only did it, but told Abbas, I'm the only one who can lead this integration of Rom into Israeli coalition politics. And in that, he's right. It's why I've, I've said for years that, that if you're political and you favor the Republicans, for example, in the United States over Democrats, then you're being played for a fool. Because actually, 
the government spends more money under Republican administrations because no one is as is watchful and they can do what the Democrats can't do you know, under Reagan, under Bush, uh, under Trump. We had horrible uh, inflation and deficit spending. But uh, clearly Netanyahu was a liar when he said that this is something that that separates him. It's also important to realize that the reason that Israel went so far right, and by right I actually mean religious in this case, is because that uh, um, cobbled together government that Bennett and Lapid put together was disastrous for Israel, and the people uh, recognized it. Uh, there's been uh, two um, numbskulls uh, that I haven't spoken much of. Uh, Kyrie Irvin and uh, Kanye West, uh, both blacks, uh, both uh, who have spoken out against uh, Jews, uh, both of which are getting uh, timeouts. Kanye West's timeout may be permanent, although there's lots of people waving banners saying Kanye is right. Uh, both are actually motivated by one of the most villainous movements in the world today, and it is international. Uh, its roots are here in the United States uh, during uh, the late 19th century, uh, and it is called uh, Black uh, Hebrew Roots Hebrew or Black right. uh, Israeli uh, um, uh, Movement. And so it is a uh, it's a the Black Israelites uh, is what they call themselves now. They used to call themselves Black Jews, but they've gone to Black Israelites. Their claim is that uh, they are the real Jews and, uh, of the promise and that uh, the actual Jews are really just imposters. Uh, their, their claim is based, uh, when they're asked to demonstrate how that's possible, they will turn to the Falashas, uh, which are a tribe in Ethiopia uh, that have claimed falsely to have the Ark of the Covenant and to be Jewish. They're Jewish in religion. They're not Jewish uh, ethnically. I think I had long ago thought that they had taken uh, a substantial number of DNA tests and showed that they had some uh, J1. They do not. There is no evidence whatsoever that the Falashas, in fact, all evidence is the contrary. They have no Jewish ethnicity. There's only one tribe of Africans that have any meaningful Jewish ethnicity. It's exceedingly small, and it's where a bunch of, uh, of Jews for a short period of time during one of the diasporas uh, lived and uh, to escape the travesties being imposed upon them. Uh, and that's it. Then they'll claim that, uh, well, they intermarried uh, or had babies with the Egyptians, and the Egyptians were black. I'm sorry, but not only were the Egyptians uh, not black, they are uh, they're Caucasians, uh, but uh, even the, you know, the stories that they want to claim that Cleopatra was a black queen, no, she was Greek. Uh, Yes, we we really have Ptolemy family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we and he was uh, Greek. Uh, we have the world mm -hmm. upside down. Um, you know, they will claim that uh, that some of the diaspora Jews uh, then filled uh, uh, in uh, the African continent and then were sold as slaves here. Uh, and then they will claim that the fake Jews were the ones that owned the ships that, that took them here and blamed Jews for it. They even claim that because. The, uh, the Torah speaks of uh, 400 years of captivity in, uh, in Egypt, that it's really speaking of them because they were slaves for 400 years in America. 
they were not slaves for 400 years in America, not even close. And uh, uh, I can assure you that uh, Yahweh did not intervene in America to liberate them. There were no signs and wonders. And so uh, they are not those people. And those people were taken to Israel, not to America. I'm not speaking here to try to dissuade someone who is stupid enough to be fooled by the uh, black Israelites. Uh, If you're that stupid, uh, no amount of evidence or reason is going to resonate with you. You're just a buffoon. Stop breathing. Do the world a a service. Uh, I'm saying this because there are people who are listening and will listen in the future who may wonder what it is about these people that is so asinine. They are growing ever more belligerent. Uh, uh, There are more and more of them that have bought into conspiracy theories. They will cite the the protocols of the elders of Zion like it's a real book, unaware that it was a complete hoax. Uh, They will uh, quote the conspiracy theory that Jews control the world, which, by the way, if they did, then uh, it's just like the uh, theory of uh, Jews killing Jesus. If Jews can kill God and at uh, two-tenths of one percent of the world's population, they uh, can run the world, then we ought to be uh, uh, bowing uh, down uh, to them. Uh, neither are true. And by the way, this notion of claiming to be the, uh, uh, the Israelites is something you may want to rethink. Because if you read the prophets, God is really upset with them. God has divorced himself from them. God has disowned them. God has uh, exposed and condemned them in every possible way uh, and says that they are appalling and repulsive. So if you want that legacy, if you claim that for yourself, as Christians do in replacement theology, wear that badge. Because in the end, while he will reconcile his relationship with the few, it will be precious few. And all of those who have been religious will be annihilated. So if that's what you claim to be, good luck with that. Uh, Kanye West's uh, quotations were all part of black Israelites. That's why I said, if you know where I came from, uh, you know I can't be anti-Semitic. Yes, pal, you are an anti-Semite, and where you come from is stupidity. He also has a sign on his social media page that is the uh, Omni, it's the we believe, we, we believe in all religions and all gods, even religions that don't have gods, and then he has the uh, uh, Hela uh, as his sign-off, and Hela is the name of the goddess of the underworld and Hela, because it's supposed to be hot in hell, uh, means that uh, that's really hot that's uh, uh, really uh, I'm wonderful because I'm hot Uh, associated with that. That's how stupid these people are. And yet, there's enough people out there that buy their music, that care about them. To be attracted to a numbskull makes you a numbskull. Kyrie Irvin is the most recent. Um, He posted a uh, video on his Facebook site thinking he was just doing a a swell thing. Uh, After talking about uh, the fact that uh, he was the uh, representative of the real Jews, in uh, previous Facebook sites, and the book, uh, the video was of a book that was written by uh, an advocate, one of the leaders in the Black Israelite uh, movement, uh, who, in his book, 
says all all of the manner of stupid things that I've already shared that that the uh, the Jews that we know are the descendants of of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob are not Jews at all, but instead uh, African slaves uh, were the uh, real Jews, although they were mostly taken from West Africa, mostly enslaved by Muslims, and brought here on boats uh, mostly owned by Europeans. Uh, but nonetheless, that is their uh, their claim. It's sort of like the the claim that the Mormons have that they're the uh, uh, that the Jews that the Jews fled Israel on a really really big boat and crossed the Atlantic, and that the native people in the Americas were really uh, Jews. Of course, they've done the DNA testing and found that the Native Americans all came from Mongolia, Eastern Russia, and uh, Northern uh, China, but don't let uh, science stand in the way of a good story. Uh, That is the nature of these people, and the thing that is the most concerning is that, uh, for example, when... uh, uh, Kyrie Irvin, who's a basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, when uh, uh, he posted his uh, apology, which he, by the way, never did really apologize, he said, I was studying YHWH. And in my study of YHWH, I came upon this. I didn't know it was bad. Uh, the, uh, many of these black Israelite movements actually steal, forlorn, my transliterations and translations. And they uh, use them in their, this perverted mix of, uh, of black racial hatred, um, black supremacy, um, and uh, a little rabbinic Judaism and some Christianity uh, thrown in to create quite an illusion that is very profitable for the thugs that run it. And so it is a, uh, it is a serious problem and it is violent, and it is seriously uh, anti-Semitic. Uh, so we uh, we should be uh, quite concerned by uh, what they uh, have done. Kevin Durant, who's the other part of that new uh, uh, Brooklyn uh, Nets uh, team, uh, came out, and he had a, a beautiful quote uh, today. I'll read it to you uh, because uh, words only do it justice. Uh, I ain't here to judge nobody, nor talk down to nobody for how they feel, their view, or anything. I just didn't like anything that went on. I feel like it was all unnecessary. I felt like we could have just kept playing basketball and kept quiet as an organization. I just don't like none of it. So clearly, money does yeah. not buy uh, intelligence. <laughs> yeah. People looking for stars to admire uh, are not turning to their vocabulary or their grammar. But let me tell you something there, uh, Mr. Durant. When you promote an anti-Semitic lie that is as vicious as the one that Kyrie Irvin posted. There will be consequences. And we do care. Uh, These are the kind of lies that led up to the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. These are the kind of lies that justified the three Roman invasions of uh, Judea. These are the kind of lies that have caused the progressives to think that Israel 
doesn't belong to the Jews, and instead it belongs to the Muslims. Palestinians. Yeah. yeah, the Palestinians. Uh, when people promote this kind of stuff, and you're in the public eye, associated with an organization that is paying you millions upon millions of dollars, it matters. Kanye West found out that even a German company that participated in the Nazi regime, both of whose founders were Nazi power party members, even they, when they're making billions off of you with a B, will drop you. So, thanks, people. Don't be stupid. But the world is, is very, very quickly turning into an anti-Semitic mess uh, with the promotion of disgusting conspiracy theories. And it is, uh, it's amazing how many people are willing to follow them. There's an article out this week about the Presbyterian Church. I was back in my uh, youth. I was a member of the Presbyterian Church. Uh, it was the youngest was elder yeah, in the history of the church. Um, uh, a tremendous embarrassment to me uh, now, of course, uh, looking back, but yet a huge advantage. It's like, uh, not nearly to this extent, but it's like Moshe growing up in, in Pharaoh's household and understanding the beast no, that worked. was yeah. uh, was Pharaoh mm-hmm. and the uh, integration of religion and politics into the the caste system and in slavery and the military in that country and why he stood up for his people, uh, who didn't, by the way, um, take that very well. They turned on him. Um, but why he did the right thing and stood up for his people because he understood the beast. And so having grown up uh, in the upper echelons of the Presbyterian Church, I learned a lot about the beast that is uh, mainstream Protestant Christianity. Uh, and it helps me now when I'm translating Yahweh's testimony and, and commenting on it, because I know when God is specifically besmirching Christianity. Uh, the, uh, the church has, uh, is losing members uh, like, uh, well, I would say a sieve, but uh, a sieve you know, does restrict the, uh, the flow of, uh, of water. And they, they are, uh, yeah. are not doing so. Um, the, the numbers are, uh, are staggering. I'm, I'm looking at them now. And, and, and by the way, it's, it's all because of their uh, progressive uh, agenda. The uh, Presbyterian Church is more interested in supporting uh, LGBTQ, uh, A whatever. plus, mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, than they are even their own uh, religion. And as such, they've, they've gotten to a point where, well, I think they've lost 700,000 members in the last decade uh, on what was a membership of, uh, of about 1.7 mem- uh, million people. So over the last decade, they've lost about 40% of their membership. Isn't that amazing? Oh, in fact... Uh, it's currently they boast, yeah, currently they boast 1.1 million active members, which is down 700,000 members since uh, 2012. And this was a 2021 report. So in, in nine years, they had lost some 40% of their membership. 
So go ahead, continue uh, down the path that you're on because obviously that's working out uh, really well for you. There's a couple of items in the news that are really, really disturbing. There's a, uh, uh, it came to my attention uh, because Leah shared this story with me. Uh, a gentleman just passed away, a uh, gentleman, uh, 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 let's call him what he is, he is an animal. His name was Samuel Little. He was a, uh, a black man, uh, born uh, uh, June 7, uh, 1940. Uh, by 1975, he began uh, raping, torturing, and killing women. He uh, raped, tortured, and killed 93 women. He is the most uh, proficient serial killer in American history, maybe in the world. Of course, nobody speaks of him because, well, black lives matter. He only killed, well, I shouldn't say he only killed black. About 80% of his victims were, by the way, black, and he is a black man. Uh, but the reason I bring this story to your attention is that by 1975, he had been arrested 26 times in 11 states for crimes such as theft, assault, attempted rape, fraud, and physical attacks on government officials. 26 times. He was uh, arrested and charged with the murder of a 22-year-old woman who had gone missing, but the grand jury declined to indict him. He was uh, charged with the murder of a, another woman, a 26-year-old, uh, whose body was found, and, um, and yet because the jury had decided to mistrust witness testimonies, he was acquitted of the crime that he actually committed. So here's a man that if he had just been locked up after, what, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twenty-fifth time that he had committed a serious crime, that no one would have died. But 93 women were raped, tortured, and killed because of progressive politics where we don't want to incarcerate the, the perpetrator, which is, of course, is what's causing places like Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco, California, Los Angeles, California, to be unlivable. There's another one, uh, the story is very similar, uh, out of um, uh, California. A young lady, a sorority girl, UCLA, was working in a furniture store uh, doing the evening shift alone, and a black man walked into the store. He had a really nasty vibe, according to the, the woman. She texted her manager and says, I'm, I'm afraid. Uh, his manager walked in. He is really giving me the creeps on the way that he is uh, uh, staring at me. Uh, I need help. Two minutes later, she had been stabbed 26 times. Oh, God. The man who stabbed her was uh, out on parole. He, he was, uh, um, had already committed some uh, 10 offenses where he had served jail time and had uh, been convicted. And yet they let him back out. And he was out even after having assaulted a police officer. But because of some liberal agenda, we let him uh, out and he killed this poor woman. 
Uh, I feel like it's important just to counteract uh, stupidity, but uh, uh, climate change is the headline, Kilimanjaro's and Africa's last glaciers to go by 2050. I'm here to tell you that that they will be gone by uh, 2033. But nonetheless, uh, they say they'll be gone by 2050, and they're blaming climate change. It's astonishing that we have such groupthink now in uh, in the world, and that science has been so co-opted by politics. Uh, The evidence is overwhelming that the Earth has gone through uh, cooling and warming periods for the uh, past several hundred million years, and that every 300 to 600 years, we go through one of these cycles. The average cycle is about 600 years long. And even in recorded history, we can, which goes back now about 5,000 years, we can track them. And we know when we were at a cooling period, when we were in a, uh, a warming period. Uh, and of course, there was even bigger swings during the last ice age, which was 10,000 years ago. The Earth goes through these cycles. Uh, it has to do with our orbit, our uh, rotation on our axis, and also the uh, the sun uh, has uh, various uh, phases. And collectively, they cause these warming and cooling periods. And the interesting thing is that mankind, and animals as well, do much better during the warming periods than they do during the cold periods. Uh, that things like the, uh, the Black Death and Black Plague uh, occurred mm-hmm during a, uh, a cold period. We, we came out of the last cold period, 1850, and uh, began this warming period. Of course, now it's blamed on the Industrial Age, when, oh, sorry, that the, the Earth uh, has endured this and will continue to endure it. The uh, uh, glaciers have come and go. There's another story that uh, I picked up this week about um, the Greeks. Uh, uh, having uh, translated uh, Daniel, uh, you have to get into Greek history. And there is this myth in America that the Greeks were the uh, birthplace of democracy and that they were mm-hmm. enlightened philosophical people who treated others well and used their words wisely. And it's just not true. The Greeks were savages. And in a Greek culture, Women had literally no rights. She was property. She was very seldom able to leave the home. If she left the home, she could not speak to anyone. Uh, she would have to be uh, veiled. Uh, no rights to own anything. Husband could beat her, cheat on her, whatever he wanted to do. She had no say in the matter. And they were vicious. So this idea that they, this is a lovely bastion of humanity, well, all you really have to do is uh, read Greek history uh, from uh, um, Alexander the Great. Uh, learn how he came to power. Learn what he did to places like uh, uh, Tyre, uh, Gaza, how he treated his defeated foes, what he said of himself in places like Egypt. And uh, the debauchery uh, at the final years of his life where he was parading around as a, uh, as a god. Uh, and then the conniving disaster that followed and the generations of the successors that followed him and the way they treated the world that they carved up between them and then fought among themselves. Uh, we're dealing with an exceedingly despicable uh, 
community. Yeah. Um, one uh, last item in the uh, the uh, news, and that is that uh, in the Ukrainian war, we are uh, hearing that a that the uh, Russians are actually having discussions about the deployment of nuclear weapons and that the Americans are having similar discussions and that we now have an official statement from the U.S. government saying that the Russians use nuclear uh, weapons in the Ukraine, that America will instantly wipe out the entire Russian military. Well, you know, we went through this uh, this period of, uh, of threats. If you uh, invade the Ukraine, we'll put on the mother of all sanctions. Uh, what did it do? Uh, the Russian economy and the ruble has never been stronger, and uh, the American dollar and our economy has seldom been weaker. It didn't work very well. And, of course, uh, uh, the people who paid the heaviest price are the undeserving, the Ukrainians, whom we continue to send billions and billions of dollars of weapons. Uh, and so now that the Russians are saying, because you've sent us all of uh, the Ukrainians all these weapons, and we can't use uh, the kinds of warfare tactics that would spare people's lives, as if the United States ever cared about that when we use cluster bombs and all manner of, uh, of shock and awe, yeah, shock and awe when we mm-hmm. attacked uh, Iran for absolutely mm-hmm. no good reason and then invaded uh, Afghanistan. We didn't care about how many civilians we, uh, we killed. We would gun, down them, uh, gun them down in with our Apache helicopters, giggle at it, and then lie about what happened. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. we want to blame the, uh, the, uh, the Russians. Uh, and now that they say, you know, you've given us no choice but to respond this way, if you continue, particularly if you continue to give them weapons like this, uh, what do you think that Russia is going to do? I mean, you, you don't have to be all this smart to figure this out. We threatened them. We threatened to turn the Ukraine into a... Uh, a war zone to arm it uh, with uh, all manner of missiles and defense systems for the West so that the Soviets were neutered and surrounded. Uh, And so they invaded to keep that from happening. Now that we uh, have supplied the Ukraine with all manner of weapons, and if the Russians were to use tactical nuclear weapons, what do you think they'll do if, uh, if we were then to declare war on them and take out their, their uh, Navy and their Army? Well, I mean, no. with 100% likelihood. We can't stop. Right. With can't 100% likelihood. Not 99.9. With 100% likelihood, if we did that, there would be countless nuclear missiles headed to the United States. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Yeah. I said, well, I want to do it because it would be sure annihilation for them. Sure annihilation for them the moment you take out their military. That's 100% likely. And we will say that as if we think we're smart, as we think we're moral, as we think that we are the, hold the high ground. We do not. All right. Uh, we're going to return to uh, Hosha, which is where we have been these, uh, these last couple of months. We're actually stick on the first chapter of Hosha. Uh, we ended the program uh, last week on Hosha uh, 1-6. Hosha means he saves. It reads, uh, Hosha was asked to marry a temple prostitute. 
And the reason Hosea was asked by Yahweh to marry a temple prostitute is he wanted his prophet to be able to passionately convey why Yahweh had to divorce his people, why he had to estrange himself from them, why he was disgusted by them, why it was not possible to continue to have a relationship with them, and why they would have a very, very long time out. And so the best way to do that is you want to know what it's like to be uh, in a relationship with an unfaithful whore? Go marry a temple prostitute. See how that works out for you. So Hosha did as he was asked. And uh, so Yahweh said, uh, after she conceived, she conceived again, and he gave birth to a daughter. So he said to him, call her name Lo Rukbah, no mercy, no favors, no compassion for being unlovable. Lo Rukumah. No affection, no forgiveness, and no benefits. Because it will be a long time owed, well beyond the point which would have been expected, before I once again perceive as lovable, show mercy towards, or beneficially favor the house of Yisrael, such that I will lift them up, honor or forgive them. Ki nasa nasa lahem. So, do you think God told the truth? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So what did he say? It will be a long time before I once again perceive them to be lovable, show mercy to them, or beneficially favor the house of Yisrael such that I lift them up, honor and forgive them. This was 7-something BCE. It was a really long time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like that time is yeah. still ongoing because guess what? Israel just isn't willing to listen. 2,700 years later, and they're still religious. They're still repulsive. They're still unlovable. I mean, that's a long time to be obstinate. So he says, it's going to be a long time. Ode ode can mean uh, almost an eternal time. Yeah. So, you know, if you're part of this stupid black Yisraelite movement, think it through. You don't want to be identified with that. And it's only once. Israelites reject their religion, become unreligious and unpolitical, and choose to honor the covenant that is explained in the Torah, that they will be accepted again. And by the way, you can't be in the covenant if you're religious. So you're screwed, blued, and tattooed if you're in the black mm-hmm. Israelite movement. Yah was announcing to the northern kingdom, Israel, apart from Yahuda, thus ten of the twelve tribes, that uh, they are no longer lovable. As a matter of fact, they wouldn't even exist as a political entity in a very, very short order. Uh, they will receive neither compassion nor mercy. Furthermore, they would remain unapproachable 
for a very long time, much longer than they would have expected. Unapproachable means, and I was very clear with this, it was, uh, we read it clearly in Daniel, that there'd be no more prophets. End of prophecy. Well, that's a real problem for, uh, for the rabbis and their Talmud, because they claim to be prophets. Nope. God said, nope, there'd be no more. Not then, not a little bit later, <laughs> not ever. Never again. That's a little problem for Christian New Testament, too, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Of course, it's no problem for uh, Islam, because if you're going to believe that Muhammad was a prophet when he never issued a single prophecy he got right, then uh, nothing's a problem for you. <laughs> my, my, my. For the next 140 generations, there would be no favors, no forgiveness from God towards Israel. And of course, during that period of time, the, they would be bludgeoned um, by the Assyrians. They would be bludgeoned uh, by the Babylonians. Twice they were seized by the Babylonians. They'd be uh, bludgeoned by the Greeks, as the Greeks didn't give two hoots about them. Uh, they uh, only cared that that uh, they were between that which they cared about in Syria and Egypt. And so uh, several of them uh, did uh, harass uh, uh, Jews. Then there were the three Roman invasions. Uh, even our edit team, when I wrote about, uh, let's never forget about uh, what happened in, in 66 BCE, uh, uh, because it was the first of uh, of these uh, Roman invasions, and not just look at what happened in uh, in 69 CE. And I say, wait a minute, what happened in those three years? No, BCE versus uh, CE, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and the first Roman invasion uh, of uh, of Judea was by Pompey, and uh, he came because the Jews were acting badly. In fact. Jews had become Greek. They all bore Greek names, and they were fighting among themselves for who would be king and who would be brothers fighting among themselves. Uh, brothers of Alexandria was their mother's name, uh, and these two Greeks were fighting among themselves for who would be high priest and who would be uh, king. Now, you would think they would want to be king, and, and uh, that high priest would be the uh, booby prize, but no. The big money was being high priest. It's like big the big money, money today, and Israel is not being a politician. It's being a rabbi. Um, so there'd be three Roman invasions. Uh, then uh, after the Romans would come the uh, the Roman Catholic Church, and after the Roman Catholic Church would come the Muslims, and after the Muslims would come the uh, the Nazis. And somewhere along the line, they say maybe we we ought to be going at this uh, differently because this clearly is not working for us. 140 generations, no forgiveness from God. The Israelites would not only be on their own, they were put out of business. God ceased speaking through them. I um, uh, just translated a, a passage in um, Ezekiel 4. Uh, and boy, I tell you what, I mean, I'm going to be in Ezekiel for a, a while. I guess Ezekiel 5, because uh, I'm only in chapter 5, and it's a, it's a long uh, uh, book. But, oh my God, I can't wait to get out of Babylon. If I had to do one more, <laughs> one more... <laughs> Book written in Babylon, 
I, I would uh, I would opt for my uh, retirement Retire watch early. and say, okay, I've yeah. I've, I've done it. I can't, We're done. I cannot do this anymore. God, <laughs> I mean, I understand that Yahweh had a message that needed to be delivered, and he picked, I guess, the best, the best two options he had available to him. But oh, ouch! These are not guys I ever want to meet. I'll tell you that for certain. Mm. Anyway, God uh, uh, stopped working with them. So as I'm, I'm reading here, uh, God says, listen, there's something because of your repulsiveness, because of your, your religiosity and the fact that you're not going to give up on it because you're stubborn and recalcitrant, you're pig-headed as, as, uh, as a mule. I'm going to do something I have never done, done before and I will never do again. Okay, so this would have been... Uh, on the eve of the final assault on uh, on Jerusalem uh, by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And so God says, so I'm going to do something uh, with uh, a witness among the, uh, the Gentiles uh, because of your religiosity and your stubbornness that I have never done before and I will never do again. Okay, so it is God specifically engaging to do something he has never done before, and he will never do again, and it's uh, happening specifically because of the religiosity and the stubbornness of his people, and it is with the Gentiles as a witness. So I went through it. I said, well, God's uh, promised uh, or at that point, from that point to today, uh, or to this time anyway, There'd be three uh, engagements of Yahweh. Three. One was when he came to fulfill the first four Mikre. Now, he didn't fulfill the first four Mikre because of the stubborn, pig-headed religiosity of the Jews. And he didn't fulfill the Mikre uh, with uh, uh, the Goyim as the primary witness. And he couldn't say that I would never do again because he's going to come back here in 11 years and fulfill the last two McRae. So it can't be that. And, of course, here in 11 years, in 6,000 Yah, 2033, he's going to fulfill the last two McRae, but it isn't because of Jewish religiousness that he is doing it, and it isn't as a witness uh, to the Goyim that for those who give up their religiosity to choose Yahweh instead. And it is something he's clearly done before. So it can't be that. So there's only one thing I can think of that God promised to do through his prophets and in his Torah with Goyim as the primary witnesses that was being done because he couldn't work with his people because they were too religious. And that he would do that he has never done before and that he would never do again. And that is call on mm-hmm. Goyim to witness to his people, to call them home. Mm-hmm. Of course. We're, we are the living embodiment of that uh, prophecy. Now, the, the, we're not taking any credit in this case because God clearly says, I do it once, I'll never do it again. So, you want to be really careful about <laughs> taking credit. Now, there is a bit of good news though, that I did want to share because we are really operating now uh, as a family and have been uh, for uh, a goodly number of years. Um, 
you know, we uh, we have what is now a beautiful uh, website that um, that I'd be very proud for uh, Yehudim and for Yahweh to point uh, to uh, that is wonderfully uh, interactive and provides uh, all 25 some odd volumes uh, uh, freely and uh, and so they can be read on a, on a PC, on a monitor, on a tablet, or on a smartphone. Uh, really well done and with wonderful search features and, uh, and links. Uh, this particular program, where now the, uh, the interface uh, of it is uh, tied in with everything else and, uh, and the same theme and where the shows are being uh, logged in and explained. Uh, for those who want to listen. Uh, we have a, a marvelous social media outreach uh, that is being uh, coordinated and managed uh, with uh, uh, promotions on, uh, on uh, things like uh, Twitter and, uh, and really rich coordinated content uh, throughout the social media platforms like uh, Facebook. Uh, we also, if you go to uh, Amazon.com and either search under my name, Craig Wen, or under Yada Yawa uh, series, you'll see that uh, that the some 25 volumes of Yada Yawa are available at the cost to ship and print, uh, royalty free. The uh, Kindle versions are are dimes. Uh, the paperbacks are in the uh, low teens, which is Basically, the shipping and printing cost. Basically, that's all it is. Uh, and the um, uh, hardbacks are also available in the high teens. Uh, uh, and they're all beautiful. They're all professionally published, uh, beautifully uh, laid out. And so when you – and all of them have been retranslated and rewritten within the, uh, the last uh, two to three years. So they're all current. Um, that's a lot of people working together to uh, share um, Yahweh's testimony and to call his people home. And everybody is working for free. Uh, none of us receive donations. None of us accept donations. Uh, none of us uh, do anything other than uh, a free will offering out of uh, love for Yahweh and his people to share the truth. So we are plural Goyim, who are serving as the witnesses, in this case, to call Yahweh's people home, to call them out of Babylon, uh, to quote the prophet Yermayah, and back home to Yahweh and Israel. So that is what uh, he was talking about, and, and uh, it is a direct implication of Hosea 1.6, where God says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's going to be a long, long time before uh, I'm able to work with you again. Now, since Yahweh had promised to bless his people and to bless people from every race and place by way of the covenant he established with Abraham, he would continue to love Yahudah for the sake of his beloved, Dote, and for the remnant of his people. And yet, with the house and family of Yahudah, it means beloved of Yah or related to Yah, I will continue to love them, favoring them, and providing forgiveness and mercy through them. Rakam him. 
I will liberate, deliver, and save them as Yahweh, their God. So to be saved as a Jew, Yahud, Yahudem plural, Yahud, Jew, you have to recognize that Yahweh is your Savior, and you have to acknowledge his name. There was no G-D here. There was no Adonai, Lord. There was no Hashem. I will liberate, deliver, and save them as Yahweh, their God. You know, Yahweh is a tripping stone for a lot of people. They, they uh, have believed the hogwash of the rabbis that no one knows how to pronounce his name, or believe the hogwash that his name is too respected to, uh, uh, to state it. Uh, those are both lies. Uh, the 22 letters that comprise the Hebrew language, uh, 17 are consonants, uh, five uh, are, uh, are vowels, the yod, the he, and the y. And the, he, the yod, the y, and the he are all vowels. They're open mouth sounds is what that means. The y is pronounced very much like it is in English. The y is a vowel consonant in English. The, the w is a vowel consonant in, uh, in English, uh, just as it, uh, as it is in Hebrew. Um, it uh, makes the same sound in English as it does in Hebrew, as does the Y. It's all a legacy of Hebrew, which was the, the first uh, written uh, uh, phonetic alphabet. Uh, the He is exceedingly easy to pronounce. It was in the verb that Yahweh introduced to us, where he said, I am who I am. I am is Haya. Uh, haya has uh, two uh, He's in it, begins with a He, ends with a He. It's Haya. Uh, Torah is a perfect example, and no one doubts how that it's properly pronounced Torah. The O sound in Torah is from a wa. The A sound at the end of Torah is from the He. So it is Yahweh. That takes 15 minutes to figure it out. However, I did not liberate, deliver, or save them by bow, shooting projectiles, or being harsh by a sword or any kind of weapon, by fighting a war, by horsemen and swiftly flying aircraft, by mobile military vehicles. Well, then he would never be elected to the, uh, uh, the Congress or Senate of the United States uh, for damn sure because America wants to uh, save the world by fighting wars. And we're really good at it. We, we call ourselves the world's peacemaker, and we have the biggest military in the world, uh, larger than all the rest of the world combined. Uh, it's a uh, one of the great lies. Yeah, that's no, not how I, I saved my people. I saved my people and delivered them with myself being their savior when I fulfilled Pesach, Matzah, Pekotim, and Shavuah. And the remnant of Jews that I will save in the end, I will give them a second chance through the Purim, which is the day of reconciliations. So Yahweh was promising to forgive. Now, this is really interesting. When I was reading um, about um, uh, the black Hebrew movement, the black uh, Israelite movement, there's actually two movements, uh, one black uh, Hebrew or Hebrew roots and um, uh, black Hebrew roots, I guess, and, and the uh, black Israelites. Uh, both anti-Semitic uh, conspiracies and cults. But uh, as I was reading, the, uh, the two authors of, of books published to debunk them were both Christians. And they were both claiming that 
that uh, by trying to observe the Torah, they were precluding themselves of salvation. Because as Paul said, you have to be perfect to be saved by the uh, the Torah. And that the Torah will just condemn you. You have to accept uh, Jesus Christ. well, there, there is the uh, the wrong condemning the uh, the wrong, where I guess uh, two uh, two wrongs makes a wrong. So um, here is Yahweh saying that he is going to uh, to save Israel, and he did so, uh, and the house of Yahuda through Dod and uh, Yahusha, placing his nefesh soul within Yahusha. They were the people that would play the starring roles, and. The Torah clearly does not uh, condemn. Uh, you don't have to be perfect for the Torah to help you. In fact, the Torah would be of no value to you if you were perfect. The Torah's value is if you're imperfect. A dote is a wonderful example of an imperfect man being perfected in God's eyes by observing the Torah. Uh, Moshe is a, uh, uh, a less flawed individual, but clearly a man who is perfected by the Torah. Uh, Moshe is a marvelous example, too, of a man who at times did things that he wasn't supposed to do, and yet uh, Yahweh embraced him and took him to heaven after giving him a, a, a bird's-eye view of the promised land. Yahweh has um, a plan, and that plan uh, is that he paid the price to serve as the Pesach Al, the Passover lamb, to give his people life. Uh, he allowed his soul to go in our stead to Sheol, to the place of separation, to perfect us, to cleanse us of religion and politics so that we could be part of his family, which we are adopted on Bukhodam. He then enriches and empowers his children, enlightening and emancipating them on Chibua so that we're prepared to function appropriately on Teruah and call his people out of Babylon and to home uh, through the Torah so that they will embrace Yahweh on reconciliations and come to camp out with God in a condition very similar to, uh, to Eden. So, Dode is presented um, as the Son of God. He is referred to as God, as he will certainly qualify as the means to Israel's salvation. Read his Psalms come to embrace him as the Son of God and the Messiah, uh, and Yahweh as his father, follow his example of observing the Torah and being part of the covenant, and you will to enjoy an eternity with him. So this is yet another renunciation of Judaism, as well as its derivatives, Christianity and Islam, because the God whose name they do not recognize is the source of our salvation. It is something we have been emphasizing since the beginning. When it comes to knowing God and developing a relationship with him, acknowledging his name is an essential first step. Now, be careful. Uh, One of the things that I despise most about these cults calling themselves either black Israelites or uh, Hebrew roots movement is they will forlorn from these writings, the transliteration of Yahweh's mm-hmm. name, and they will jump up and down and sing it in song when they clearly do not know him. And there may be only one thing worse 
than negating the value of Yahweh's name as we see in Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, and that is misusing his name as we witness it in those cults. So be very, very careful when you hear Yahweh's name that it is set into the context of his testimony. The phrase Yasha Ba Yahweh, salvation by Yahweh, serves to explain Yahusha's name, his nature and his purpose. One of the reasons that we never read Yosha's name, and there isn't a single prophecy about Yosha, that's the actual name of the person that Christians have misnamed Jesus. He's not named in a single prophecy, not obviously as Jesus, and not even as Yosha. Not once is he brought up by name. And the reason for that is that the role he plays is important. You know, Yosha, Yah, Isaiah 53 speaks of him as the Passover lamb. Uh, Dode wrote two Mismor Psalms speaking of the sacrifice that he would make as the Passover lamb, uh, 22 and 88. Uh, that role is essential, and God speaks of it. Uh, he told Abraham uh, on Mount Moriah that he would provide the lamb. Mm-hmm. However, there is no reason whatsoever to know the name of the individual who would serve as the Passover lamb and carry Yahweh's nefesh soul as a probe so that Yahweh could experience everything that was happening, the pain of that sacrifice. Because the, it is Yahweh saving us, as he states here. So since it is Yahweh saving us, to create a religion, even if you knew his name, Yosha, would be stupid. And to create a religion of Jesus and call him the Christ is dumber than dumb. Yahweh is the Savior. It is Yahweh saving us in the fulfillment of, of Pesach and Matzah, leading to Bukhotim. It's one of the great uh, problems of Judaism. Uh, Judaism, rabbinic Judaism as it exists today, was coterminous with the rise of Christianity. And the Jews in power at the time uh, didn't like the threat of Jews uh, recognizing that Yosha was the Passover lamb and, uh, and celebrating Yahweh's fulfillment of these first Mikrae. So they went after them with the visions. And then when the Christians came up with this idea that this uh, Jesus was somehow the, uh, the Son of God and the Messiah, rather than just simply announcing that's not true, the Messiah and Son of God is Doe to David, he is the returning king, they created this religion to besmirch the reputation of Yosha. And in so doing, they besmirched Yahweh's reputation. Mm-hmm. They denied Yahweh's promise. They denied their people the knowledge of the fulfillment of Pesach Passover. But that's what they did, and that's, that is the birth of rabbinic Judaism. If you don't think so, just study the life of Akiba and learn about Akiba's false messiah, uh, Bar Kokhba, and how he was put in position so so as to deny the uh, the Christian mythos of a Jesus Christ. Look how well that worked out for the Jews, too. led directly to the diaspora. So, it is Yahweh's soul fulfilling the Mikra of Pesach and Matzah. Matzah. His name, therefore, is the only name which actually matters. 
As such, Judaism and Christianity are misnomers. Since it is by fulfilling the Mikra invitations to be called out and meet with God that we become immortal, perfected, adopted, enriched, and empowered during the first uh, four Moed Mikra, all of which were fulfilled in your 4,000 Yah, 33 CE, Yahweh is not liberating us from the deadly nature of religion through the deployment of armaments or fighting battles, but instead by fulfilling the first four Mikra. And while there will be copious amounts of weapons deployed and horrible wars as we mitigate and migrate through the last days, no one will be saved by such malfeasance. We don't save people by attacking them with weapons. We humans will be killing one another at an even more prodigious rate, but that is hardly the path to heaven. God would go on to say, when she is weaned, lo, rukama, no mercy, no favors, no compassion as a result of being unlovable, she conceived and bore a son. And he said, announce that his name is Lo-Am-Ani. Lo is wow. not. Am is family, people, and Ani is my. Not my people. You want to be really careful, all those of you who are touting this black Israelite. Not my family. Even if you were right, you're wrong. Not my family. Because you are not part of my family, and I am not your God. They had chosen other gods. Gods they had made, gods they had inherited. Are you listening, Israel? You have become so annoying with your perverted religion, that Yahweh has disowned you. I'm not being anti-Semitic here. I'm telling you what God said. This book was written to you in your language by one of your prophets. One of the most important prophetic recitals in all of history. And this is what it says. God is saying that, worst of all, you worship a God who is not Yahweh, leaving you with no God at all. Not Judaism isn't a monotheistic religion. It is a religion without a God. Introduced to the one true God, you have joined the ranks of those who irritate and annoy God. Yisrael, apart from Yehuda, was entering history's longest intermission. And while God would no longer endure them, he would assure that they would endure long enough to eventually be saved. This is Hosea 1.10. Yet the number of your children, of the children of Yisrael, shall be as the sand of the sea, because it cannot be counted, numbered, or recorded. And 
it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said of them, you are not my family, it shall be said to them, you are the children of the living God. Then the descendants of Yahudah and the children of Yisrael will be gathered together and be as one. They will appoint for themselves the best one as their leader. And then they will ascend upward to a higher place out of the land because great, intensely important, and empowering shall be Yom Yisrael, the day God's seeds are sown in Jezreel. Well, there's a turnaround, isn't it? Well, I guess. The most horrible place where Jews and Israelites worshipped Baal and Asherah, where they engaged in the most murderous of behavior, where the worst of the Jewish leaders uh, rose to power and died. That place is going to be celebrated again. And there will be enough Jews such that there will be a remnant that gets to hear these words. You are the children of the living God. Boy, that's not being pronounced anywhere, is it? Hmm. There is, we are still, even though 11 years away, we are still, it seems like, millennia away from the descendants of Yahudah and the children of Yisrael being gathered together. I mean, the Sephardim Jews and the Ashkenazis um, are having a tough time. This idea that uh, being a Yisraelite and being a Yahud and that the two merging is something that God has promised. It's what uh, the 31st chapter of Yirmiyah is all about. That uh, it speaks of the of, of, of reconciliation between Yisrael and Yahuda, and then of them being reconciled unto Yahweh, and that both having the Torah written inside along with Yahweh's name, they will be gathered together as one, and they will appoint for themselves the best one as their leader. <clears throat> Who is the best? Dode. Israel. Uh, there's only Dode. two candidates. Yeah, there's only two candidates, yeah. Moshe and Dode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be Dode. Um, yeah, he's the king. Listen, it, it would not be fair to Moshe. He has he's, he's retired. He's paid, he's paid, yeah, he's paid his dues. He is retired. Dode actually loved this job. Uh, he loved yeah. defending Israel. He loved leading Israel. He loved singing to Israel. He loved teaching Israel. He loved being a shepherd. <clears throat> Uh, Dode's perfectly suited for this job. He's the best of Israel. He will be the leader. And he won't be the leader for, you know, a, uh, a Knesset uh, term of four years or five years or whatever the Knesset. He's going to be the leader forever. You know, if, you don't we'll like, if you don't like Dode, you don't want to bribe anybody. If you don't like Dode, you don't want to end up with God in heaven because uh, Dode will be king forever. Big man on campus, yeah. huh? Yeah, he is. He is. He is the. He is, this thing that God is doing certainly uh, that one. He wasn't speaking of Dode because he's done it before and he'll do it again. Yeah, the, Dode is is the guy. 
And, you know, you read Dode Psalms and you look at his character. Uh, you look at the way that uh, he loved John. Yeah, I loved him. It's pretty easy to see why. And then it says they will ascend to a higher place out of the land. Oh, what's a higher place out of the land? Shamaim. Heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a, a celebration of the day that God's seeds are sown in Jezreel. Now, it was a rapid downward progression. Israel had fallen from being unlovable and, unzer- and undeserving to being disinherited. They were no longer covenant. Having rejected Yahweh, God rejected them. In the matter of quantity over quality, they were uh, long on one and deprived of the other. Clearly, God was not running a popularity contest. While their downgraded status would plague them for centuries, even for millennia, the relationship was slated for resolution. And we're just 11 years away from it now in 2022. Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, October 2nd at sunset in Jerusalem in 2033. Uh, For them was a distant light on the horizon. It's much closer for us today. Some of the descendants of those who had been ostracized for having become obnoxious would be restored to fellowship, becoming the children of the living God. The rift that had torn them apart will be mended. Not only will Yisrael and Yahudah come together again, they will be one in the covenant family with Yahweh. Having been dispersed throughout the nations, they will be collected and gathered in one accord, something that seems unfathomable considering the propensity of Jews to disagree with each other and their God. But it's going to occur. You know, you have 40% of the world's Jewish population in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about all of those who are part of the covenant coming to Israel. And, of course, with the, uh, uh, the Haredi uh, now re-empowered, the only people who can make uh, a – can apply for – in immigration, yeah, Israel's citizenship mm-hmm. immigration uh, are uh, Orthodox Jews, and they are not going to be part of Yahweh's covenant family. So this is something that uh, is still future, and we don't have a lot of days of future left. One of the many areas uh, at this time of agreement will be on their leader, their shepherd and Messiah. They will choose the best one, Yahweh's beloved Dote. There is only... One way, as I've said, to ascend upward out of the land, and that is to be given access to Shamaim, heaven. Of course, uh, Muslims will think that you can ride a winged ass, a wild barak, uh, leave a hoofy print on the, uh, on the Temple Mount, and ride up to, uh, to the seven heavens, all of uh, which, uh, in which you're going to be meeting with Jews. Uh, so that part you've got to deal with, but that's what the Quran and Hadith say. And, of course, on the way to the Islamic heaven, you must pass through the Islamic hell. So the first stop to heaven is hell, uh, but uh, fear not unless you're a woman, because the Islamic hell is filled with women who are being hung by their breasts uh, with meat 
uh, hooks through them because they were not grateful to their husbands. Uh, it is a lo- it is a lovely uh, a lovely place, uh, and of course, when you finally get to the Islamic heaven, the only message is I want you to prostrate yourself and bow down to me fifty times a day. What a lovely God that would create an inferior species to worship Him. That is a God I never want to know. Now, this transformation from a three-dimensional physical being uh, in the land of Israel to a seven-dimensional spiritual being, the subsequent enrichment, the empowerment, the liberty uh, necessary to make all that happen is genuinely beyond our comprehension. Yes, indeed. Um, and what had been deprived of Israelites will now be restored. There will be a new day, a different and better outcome, even in Israel. With so much having occurred in and around the Jezreel Valley, God is returning our attention to uh, Israel's thoroughfare, uh, her breadbasket, and also her battlefield. Something exceedingly good and very important will transpire to counteract the often hellish history of this place. Beyond the stories that we addressed in um, in a previous chapter that we covered over the previous month or so, there mm-hmm. is another worry of our worthy, I think, of our consideration, and it is Gideon. Uh, he was triumphant in Jezreel. Yes. Now, Shaul was was defeated and committed suicide, and Dode was victorious here. But that's not the specific story that Yahweh is addressing. The day of Jezreel, the day that God will reap what he has sown in Jezreel, is directing our attention to God, along with the millions... (laughs) who will invade Israel in the last days. He will die and be buried in Jezreel. It will be the mother of all battles. Uh, As is so often the case with the Almighty and fitting, Yahweh will prevail over religious, political, militant, and conspiratorial goyim in the place that Israel acted the most like them. Uh, Yeah, in in Ezekiel 5, when uh, Yahweh is condemning Israel, uh, there are are two things that he says that are really uh, get your attention. He says, you know, when it comes to being um, repulsive and religious, you're now worse than the Goyim. (laughs) Jews had become worse than the Goyim, he says, when it comes to repulsiveness and religion. And then he said, you're even worse as it relates to harmon. And harmon is a really interesting term. You see, um, Abraham, the father of the, uh, uh, grandfather really of the, uh, of the 12 tribes, a great grandfather, uh, mm-hmm. Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob. Um, his name, uh, when it was changed to Abraham, has uh, two roots. Ab is, of course, the father and means father in both. But he can either be Ab Abraham, uh, which is merciful father, or Ab Harmon, 
which is father of the belligerent and boisterous, the father of the argumentative and warlike, the father of the loudmouthed and confused. And uh, that's what uh, we're uh, mm-hmm. we're seeing Looking here, at. is yeah. that uh, that there are going to be lots of hormone army troops that that uh, are exceedingly noisy as they uh, as they march in. Uh, so the very place that Israel was like the the Muslims and the Christians and and being militant and loud mouthed and confused, Harmon is the very place that uh, Yahweh will rescue them in the last days. Yom Yisrael. It's very close to the pronunciation of pronunciation of Israel, but it's with a Y Z. Ra-El, mm-hmm. uh, is the day the seeds sown by God come to fruition in Jezreel. It is illustrative of one of the last battles Yahweh and Yehudim will fight for the survival of, of the people. It draws upon an interesting history. And God's not going to win this battle by, uh, by bringing in the big guns. Uh, no, he, he's, he's just going to annihilate everyone who came to fight against Israel. It draws an intriguing uh, history. Shaul would commit suicide in the valley after his army was annihilated by the Philistines. Uh, He chose his fate as surely as he chose to consult with the witch of Endor. By contrast, Dode would fight 66 battles. You know what number of those 66 battles he won? (laughs) <laughs> batting a thousand, isn't he? Yeah, he was, he was batting a thousand, all of them. Ridding the land of the Philistine problem. Uh, and in this place, of all places, uh, because he relied on Yahweh, which was the secret of his success. Fast forward 3,000 years, and we will find Yahweh engaged again to protect the remnants of his people. And as is foretold in Yashaya, Yermaya, Daniel, uh, Yoel, and especially Yaketzel, countless millions of Muslims under the Magog Federation and Gog's leadership will flood into Israel with the intent of annihilating Jews while claiming the land for Allah. Yahweh does not Hmm. quantify the number of enraged Muslims who will flood into Israel. But the metaphors he deplores throughout the prophets suggest that we should expect in the range of 100 million. As for Jezreel accommodating that many, the math is rather interesting. The valley is approximately 100 square miles. Whether marching or in an encampment, each armed and provisioned combatant requires about three square yards of space with 3 million square yards per square mile, up to 100 million Muslims will receive what they intended to inflict in the shadow of Megiddo. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Yeah. Well, we well have broached this. Yeah, I would yeah. like to, to do the math because Yahweh is precise. Uh, he, uh, yeah. he tells a story, and the story that he tells is always credible. 
Now, while we have approached this battle periodically throughout the prophets, the final determination of its timing, the identity and the quantity of its combatants, and whether this is one war or two uh, spreading from Jezreel to Jerusalem, uh, is something that we have uh, of table because it's really something where we should put all the pieces together. You know, I'm, I think I'll survive my last day in Babylon and get to uh, Ezekiel 32 through 36 and cover this battle. Uh, from the, this would be the, the battle fought in the Jezreel Valley, uh, Gog and Magog. Uh, and then we will return to uh, what Yashaya and Yermaya uh, have to say about uh, a battle uh, outside of Jerusalem. And come to understand if uh, they are one battle or two battles. Um, certainly, they're all fought in the last three right and a half there. years of the time of, uh, of trouble, uh, which means that I wouldn't expect either to occur prior to uh, 20, uh, 29, 30. perhaps even 2030, being the earliest this will happen. I, uh, we have every indication from what Dode told Daniel and Danielle uh, that the UN 242, the, the treaty uh, restricting uh, uh, Israel's uh, right to live in their own land, will be imposed upon them, and it will likely be imposed uh, seven years prior to Yahweh's return, mm-hmm. uh, and then things will get really nasty three and a half years prior to his return um, when um, I think it's going to be May Day in 2030 uh, when the Torahless One will uh, proclaim that uh, he is God and will uh, outlaw uh, the participation in any one of Yahweh's Moed Mikre or uh, his Shabbat. So that is where we are uh, headed. And it'll be interesting to see if it is uh, one ongoing battle or two specific battles that are are fought during the uh, the last days. Uh, we will continue to translate and then comment based upon what the words uh, say. Okay. Uh, we still have, as I say, a lot of time and a lot on our plate to uh, survey and digest. In the order of things, uh, this the now this was the eighth volume that we're sharing of Yada Yawa. The ninth volume was uh, just recently published and is available on the Yada Yawa website. It's one of only <clears throat> three remaining uh, to be uh, translated and rewritten to complete our final edit of the uh, of the series. Um, and actually, what I, I did is I uh, uh, I made it uh, one more. So uh, uh, we're now. Uh, I am happy to say that sometime last week, with the final edit of Volume Nine of uh, of Yada Yawa, after the four volumes of Questioning Paul, the three of, of uh, Introduction to God, the two of Coming Home, the five of Observations, and now the nine of uh, Yada Yawa, the rewrite is complete. Uh, as I'm writing now uh, volume 10 of Yada Yawa, this is material that I've never translated. We're, uh, it's the first new book, if you will, although all of these books were written, completely rewritten from scratch, so it was just rewritten hmm. 25 books, but um, this is the first new book in, uh, in some time. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, I had to pick Ezekiel to stay in, in Babylon. Uh, 
it's uh, obvious that Yahweh did not pick me for my intelligence. Um, so far, just <laughs> because maybe, maybe the smart thing is yeah. <laughs> finish in Babylon and uh, and then move on. The reason I, I picked uh, uh, Ezekiel uh, and um, Yaketiah is his Hebrew uh, name is that uh, with Daniel uh, speaking of how we get from here to there and the last days, and I think we did a pretty good job of uh, of making sense of everything that was uh, predicted in uh, Daniel and exactly how things are going to uh, conspire, transpire as we reach the end and the exact timing of things. Uh, Ezekiel does pick up from there and does take us right to the end with these uh, battles and then even talks about the uh, the new temple and, and new Jerusalem and that sort of thing. So uh, it, it is a natural follow-on. So we will uh, we'll stay in, in Babylon long enough to, uh, to get that out because uh, I think we have provided a sufficient base. And by the way, we'll stop uh, broadcasting here in a moment. We'll be able to, to oh, wow. uh, still record here yeah. for a while. And 95% of the listens are to archive. So we, we'll still talk here a while for the recording. Uh, and uh, all those listening by phone can, will be able to continue to hear us. Uh, that the idea is that we're going to stay on, uh, on future prophecy for a while uh, because of the fact that uh, we've d- done a pretty comprehensive job of presenting um, how you prepare for Yahweh's return. An introduction to God comes, goes all the way through all of the source material, explains why we're here, who you are, who we are, uh, uh, how uh, we have access to the oldest uh, uh, manuscripts, uh, how the language itself works, some of its unique qualities of uh, Hebrew and its, and its uh, stems and its moods and its conjugations. Uh, and the like, and then it uh, it goes through the fundamentals and a introduction to God. Uh, it's a three volume set, and and from there there are uh, nine, and sometimes soon there'll be ten volumes of Yada Yawa that uh, begin uh, with creation. Uh, the second volume uh, is uh, in the garden, uh, the and takes you through the flood. The third volume speaks of the covenant family and, and how to become part of the uh, of the covenant. And then um, uh, from there, there are uh, three volumes on the um, the Moed Mikre. Uh, the uh, first one uh, focusing on Pesach, Matzah, and Bakudim. The second one focusing on Shabua and Teruah. Uh, the third and final one focusing on Kippurim and uh, Sukkah. Uh, a lot to understand between the covenant mm-hmm. and those invitations to meet with God. And then uh, from there, we, uh, we uh, take readers through uh, uh, this volume on Hosha. Uh, then there's a volume on separation through, uh, through Daniel. Uh, and now this one, the tenth one, uh, being uh, devoted to what uh, Ezekiel uh, was uh, shown. This then takes us uh, through the observation uh, series. Uh, and the observation series of five books uh, begins in the Mashal Proverbs, which are uh, Dote speaking as the son on behalf of his father and mother, uh, Yahweh and the Ruach Kodesh, and then um, uh, walks us through this call, uh, that uh, these prophecies that where God speaks of our time and how we got here, 
then that leads to coming home, uh, two volumes where we go through the Mismore, where Dode is allowed to speak to us, and he calls his people home prior to his return. And then for both Jews wanting to know what it is about Christianity that so, uh, was so hostile to them for so long, and uh, how uh, Christianity came to be born out of, of what uh, a twisting, perverted version of what God re- revealed to his people. Questioning Paul is a, is a really a good read. It's uh, four volumes. It explains just how disgusted Paul or uh, Yahweh is against Paul. It calls him the plague of death. Uh, but it's a really good read for, uh, for Jews to understand uh, how this religion uh, grew in their, uh, in their midst and how to effectively uh, disprove it. Um, and there are three other books. Uh, um, I did uh, build a company from nothing uh, to, uh, to take it public. And uh, it's just a way of getting to know one another and, and really understand uh, economics and, and corporate uh, dynamics. It's called In the Company. It's also available as is my meeting with the Islamic terrorists right after 9-11 uh, called uh, Tea with Terrorists. And, uh, and lastly, so that you know that when I'm uh, criticizing Judaism, uh, consistent with what Yahweh has to say throughout his Torah and prophets, uh, that uh, I'm not just picking uh, on uh, Jews in addition to destroying the credibility of Christianity and questioning Paul. Uh, I wrote Prophet of Doom, which is uh, the most comprehensive and chronological presentation of the Quran and Hadith. Uh, so that it is Muhammad's terrorist manifesto in his own words. So all of that is, uh, is available, and, and um, uh, because of that wealth of material, I think we can spend a goodly amount of time now just talking about prophecy and what's going to happen between now and the time that Yahweh returns. Uh, and he's going to return with Dode. He's returning to Israel. He's returning to reconcile his relationship with his people, um, which means that uh, there can be no Christianity, there can be no New Testament, there can be no replacement theology, there can be no black Hebrews or, uh, or uh, uh, Christians uh, church replacing Jews. He is returning to Israel and Yehuda, just as, uh, as this had stated, and he is going to reconcile his relationship by placing his Torah literally inside of these individuals so that uh, it becomes part of the fabric of our lives, guiding our decisions as we go forth into eternity. So that is uh, that is where we are, and and that is what Yahweh is is uh, speaking uh, specifically about uh, at uh, at this point. Um, so, you know, in the Order of things, uh, as, uh, as I've shared, this is now the eighth volume of Yada Yawa um, that we're speaking of. This is now the, I think, this second or third, uh, chap- third chapter of that uh, volume. It is one of only uh, two remaining uh, to be part of the old series. Uh, and once finished and positioned in their places on the bookshelf of yadayah.com, um, we are now to the point where we're turning our attentions to the events pertaining to Yom uh, Yisrael, uh, what will happen on the day of Jezreel. It's going to be a massive undertaking because 
uh, we will include a comprehensive and integrated uh, analysis of Daniel. Um, I, I wrote here um, uh, 9 through 12, but actually we began in Daniel 7, which is where the prophecies began, and went through uh, 12, translating every word. And we're fairly thorough in terms of discussing what comes in chapters 1 through 6, which is uh, prophetic of all bad things um, and, and um, uh, a pretty nasty story, really. Uh, we have uh, translated most of Zechariah already, but we have to return to do 12 through 14. We translated most of Zechariah because prior to uh, that point, it's all regarding Yahweh's uh, Yom Kippurim return. Uh, and then we will turn to Yoel, Joel, chapter 3. And we're going to find ourselves uh, investigating the fate of Babylon and Yisrael, beginning with uh, Yashaya, Isaiah 17 and 18, which we've translated previously and shared on numerous occasions. And then we have to return to present all of uh, 47 through 66, much of which we've covered in the past, but pulling it all together for strictly its prophetic um, proclamations about the end days. Um, we're going to also pursue the same storyline throughout Yermiah, Jeremiah, beginning in the 49th and uh, running through the 51st chapters. Um, and I had thought that we would turn to uh, Yaketzel, uh, Ezekiel 32, um, followed by this, what is a tumultuous journey, commencing in chapter 35. Uh, and ending until we conclude our review of Yahweh's response to mankind's mayhem in the 39th chapter. But I actually uh, began in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 1. And I couldn't help myself because uh, the two depictions of, what, uh, of allegedly what God is like, one was written by Daniel and it isn't what God is like at all. It's, uh, it's what uh, Satan was like when Paul encountered him on the road to Damascus. And that was quite an eye-opener to recognize that he is in Babylon, and what he is seeing is the king of Babylon, Satan. Uh, and I thought that was uh, enough for one lifetime in terms of, you're not going to believe this, but nonetheless it's true. Uh, but... Um, Ezekiel 1 and 2 um, go right back to the same beast. The, the revelation in, in Ezekiel 2 is not of God. It's of Satan. And it's of Satan rising out of Babylon uh, to be the god of religion. He is the god of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. Um, he's the god of politics, the and it shows what he will be like. It, it even talks about the four faces of, uh, of uh, in terms of astrological faces, and they are the four religions: uh, the Babylonian pagan religion that manifests itself in the uh, throughout the what's called the Abrahamic religions, becoming Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And it is a beast. It's a monstrous beast. Um, and uh, the same reference to the beast is uh, it's, it's a living corpse. And so it's of Satan. And 
so anyway, that's that's where we are. I've, I finally finished those uh, translations, and I'm now in, in chapter five of of uh, Zachariah. But even there, we're um, one surprise after another. You know that one of the surprises in uh, in Zachariah five, or excuse me, in Yakitel mm-hmm. five, is five, is that God actually says something I, I never thought I would hear from Him. He is. He said, "Listen, the religious." they're going to die. And when the religious die, and I find out that you didn't bother to warn them, you made no effort to teach them. And after you making no effort to teach them, and they die, I'm going to hold you accountable. Wow. I have something I never thought I'd read. Thank you. And the reason I never thought I'd read it is that I'm looking at it from our perspective. Mm-hmm. We've come to the covenant. We're, uh, we've come to Yahweh's Torah. We've come to Yahweh. And every moment of the, uh, of the way, uh, at least when we're not in Babylon or not talking about Paul, is joyous, uh-huh. uplifting, it's enriching, it's empowering, it's, uh, it's liberating. <clears throat> uh, marvelous. And so... What we want to do is to share it. We want to, to tell people the religions that are casting God into a very different light and leading people astray or wrong so that people break free of them and then they come to embrace what Yahweh is offering. And it's just naturally we can't imagine not doing it. You know, right. uh, D, uh, and uh, Kirk, I've never asked you to do these things. You just volunteer. Yeah. Uh hmm. Jackie, who is our lead publicist, we don't ask her to do these things. She volunteered. Uh, David, who That's manages true. the website, volunteered. Yeah. Uh, yep. we, we volunteer because we love Yahweh. We're excited to, to be part of his family. And we recognize yeah. that, that this is not a, uh, a net zero game. <clears throat> the fact that he's going to give his covenant members the entire universe our share is not diminished by having a larger family. It's actually enriched by having right. a larger family. So we're naturally predisposed to share this. And I don't think there's been a single day where I've said, boy, I better do this or God's going to be mad at me. I hadn't considered not, it. <laughs> not once. Yeah, and haven't even considered no. it. Okay, but that's our perspective. <laughs> where was Ezekiel? In Babylon. Yep. And yep. so from his perspective, Yahweh had to say, listen, I'm going to show you all this stuff. But if you don't convey it, if you don't have the courage and the fortitude and the character to convey it, then I'm going to hold you responsible. So it's a very different place than where uh, where we are, and I can see why he said it, but it was certainly not what I expected. You read that, and say, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's a lot. It's a perspective I never considered before. So anyway, that's that's where we are in this um, in the progression of events. We uh, uh, we continue to grow. We continue to learn. We continue to celebrate our relationship, and we continue to share and. Those of you who have uh, listened, and if you uh, are a marginal Christian, then we would encourage you to read Questioning Paul, walk away from your religion, 
and then begin this journey uh, to Yahweh with us. Uh, if you're a, a Jew and you are, well, if you're a Jew and you're a Haredim, you're not listening to this program because you're pre- prohibited from having access to the Internet. They uh, preclude you learning uh, English, the language spoken by most Jews than any other in the world, because they don't want you to learn the truth. Uh, and so you, uh, you weren't listening to us anyway. But if you are a marginal uh, Jew in the sense of questioning your religion, and uh, you're not dominated by your love for one of the 4,000 political parties in, uh, in Israel, then we welcome you to join us on this search. <laughs> Leave your religion, your politics at the door. Uh, come and listen. We do this for you. And if you think we're being unkind by criticizing Judaism and criticizing Israeli politics, then I want you to understand. Just quoting we, Yahweh. We say yeah. what Yahweh says. And Yahweh yeah. wants this known. He was uh, exceedingly um, verbose about it. I guess you could even call God verbose. Uh, it is the same message in the Torah as it is with every prophet. It is the dominant theme of what he conveys is he is disgusted by the religiosity of Jews. So if you don't want to hear it, then you're not interested in listening to God. It is the prerequisite of becoming part of the covenant. You cannot become part of the covenant family unless you are first willing to walk away from your religion and politics, from your country, from Babylon. So that's why we say these things. We are not trying to be unkind to Jews. We are devoted to calling Yahweh's people home. The first step in that is for them to recognize that their religion has led them astray, to disavow it, to disavow Israeli politics, and to trust Yahweh, observe his testimony, listen to him, embrace his name, accept the terms and conditions of the covenant, and attend his Moed Mikray. He will then take care of the rest. Well, uh, boys and girls, is there anything we, we missed as we, uh, we conclude this program for this evening? We'll pick it up this time uh, next week. Yeah, that's a pretty good slide right there. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, We appreciate uh, your contribution. We appreciate all of you who are uh, listening and everyone who is working together to share Yahweh's message with his people, to call his people home at this time. May Yahweh bless. Shabbat shalom, y'all. Good night. Shabbat shalom, Kirk. Good night. Good night.